You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Friday, September 17th. Oh my goodness, it's Friday, September 17th. It is flying by. But no better way to have it fly by than to spend what we are going to do here in the next several minutes with our guests. We are going to have a CX Poetry Slam in our Season 2, Episode 31 with Adrian Swinsco. You all know who Adrian Swinsco is, don't you? And if you don't, get on LinkedIn and follow him. Uh, but, but, but my guess is you already know. Adrian, welcome to our program. We're so happy to have you today. Uh, Neil, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's an absolute honor. So for those that don't know what a poetry slam is, by the way, I'm not sure I've ever done a poetry slam. I've just read about them and sort of seen them a little bit. A poetry slam, we're going to make um, performance out of poetry. Uh, We're going to improvise a bit. We're going to hopefully be a little bit lyrical. We're going to um, be creative with our language. We're going to entertain. Uh, We're just going to have some some fun. And uh, hopefully you audience are going to enjoy this as well. Uh, we are working off of some basic ideas. We're going to riff. We're going to ebb. We're going to flow. We're going to peak. We're going to trough. We're going to roll with the punches here. I'm going to throw out some ideas to Adrian. And we're going to hear his his brilliant thoughts. Um, in case you don't literally know, uh, Adrian is an aspirant punk of Punk CX, and he is a customer service and experience advisor, experience improvement masterclass, and mentoring. Uh, Adrian, you are most well known for Punk CX, or at least in my mind. I think you're most well known for that. What is Punk CX? Um, well, first of all, it's um, it's a book, <clears throat> but it was born out of a uh, a drinking session with my friend Oshin. So we were drinking Guinness back in December 2017 in the Basketmakers Pub. I think I think that's right in Brighton, and I we were talking about the state of CX, and I was bemoaning the fact that we were seeing lots of excitement investment kind of like activity in the space, but not a lot of significant improvement in outcomes and things. And in the moment I went, I wish somebody would do something a bit more punk. Now I'm a fan of punk music. And so that was kind of almost the light bulb sort of thing. Now, probably something to do with the, um, the drink that was involved. I probably forgot that. And it sort of sat in the back of my mind for about six months, but following summer, it popped back into my mind. And I started to really think about punk music and then that sort of thought and where it came from. And the idea behind kind of punk CX is that it's based on this hypothesis. The hypothesis is that the CX space is, you know, if punk exploded out the back of progressive rock in the 1970s, because progressive rock was becoming overly complicated, self-indulgent, more interested in itself than its constituents, its fans, as it were, and punk exploded out the back of it with a DIY democratic dare to be different sort of approach. My hypothesis is that the CX space is looking a lot like or exhibiting a lot of the same characteristics as the prog rock space did in the 1970s, overly codified metric benchmark framework, yada, yada, yada sort of thing. And therefore, if that's true, then what would a punk version look like? And it's the idea just want to almost like shake the tree, kind of like and get people to do better works and drive towards better outcomes, both inside and outside kind of organizations. So that's kind of the genesis of the punk thing. If I'm not mistaken, the book was written, I believe, in 18 or 19, right? Pre-pandemic? Uh, 
it was yeah it, was, it came out sort of uh was it may june 2019 so it was pre-pandemic and so it actually it it landed with a whole bunch of people and then it started to really resonate with a whole bunch of people in the pandemic because actually i remember there's a friend of mine wrote me an email um i think we're two months in sort of thing and he said amazing to see how much punk cx is going on right now when people's the kind of realities go slammed together and people could have had to do in months what they took normally take years to do so let's, let's talk about that uh the things that you set out to describe prescribe uh, suggest recommend etc uh back in 19 they still apply today don't they oh completely i mean i think it's a big job i think it's the, the, the sort of the thing is is like um we're kind of i i want people at the to the book in itself is not an answer because punk was never an answer. It's more of a mindset, kind of a way of kind of like thinking. And it's it's more about inviting kind of people um, to to do better kind of work, to think about things differently, to question everything, to think about this idea of like, well, do we need that? Like for one example, you know, there's been this thing where everybody's going like, oh, we need a chatbot. I'm like going, do you really? why and because people just kind of follow the crowd as it were and that, you know and but here's the thing is like following the crowd doesn't get you to number one it doesn't get you to that differentiated experience so here's the thing sometimes you have to stop and ask where are we at does this make sense does this make sense for our customers or are we just kind of following kind of what everybody else is doing because there's a there's a track right at the beginning of the book and it still holds i still i still love it because it's organized like an like an album so it's like a full of sort of tracks and here's the first kind of one just to give you a flavor of what the book's like so it's it. all full, full color short ideas but read us the track read us what, what the what's what it says the basic, i'll read you the title because that's all that you really need to know it basically says are you an artist or are you just coloring in well that's a strong one are you so that's the big question are right? you just coloring in so the artist what you really think is are you a leader or are you a follower wow what the heck is going on? So I'm going to be a little irreverent here because I feel I can take that liberty with you. Mm -hmm. um, oh, actually, I'm not sure who's going to be more irreverent, you or me, because I and, and that's why I, I one thing I love about you. Um, what the heck is going on in our community? Are we just a bunch of followers? Have we lost that spirit? Have we lost that pioneering spirit? Are we so corporate? We're a bunch of suits now. But well, I think we're a product of of our. Um of our system, our environment. I mean, I'm, I, have, I have a background as an economist. And economists, e e economics often gets called the dismal science. And it's always kind of trying to, you know, be more scientific, more mathematical in its approach to things, because that almost gets it uh, credibility, if you like. But when you deal with human beings who have, who are contrary, unorthodox, spontaneous, all these different sort of things, trying to scientifically model kind of what they're what, what they're going to do becomes very 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 hard so you have to understand it's a balance of kind of art and science right you use models to try and represent the kind of world and give you a way of thinking about the world but actually you have to use your own gather your own data make your own judgments in around well, what's what's kind of right for people to make those kind of connections now i think what we've ended up doing is we've got to this point where people have started to create to create a profession and to almost kind of, um, and they're trying to codify what that profession is and certify what it is to try and validate what it is. 
I don't care about certificates. I care about outcomes. Some of the best practitioners in the world in delivering great service and great, uh, great experience have no qualifications in this. They just care deeply about it. They are deeply curious about it. And they're willing to work really hard and with pe other people to go and find out what's the best way to do things. Because they're focused not on the advancement of their career, but actually kind of delivering those kind of better outcomes. And they're willing to kind of to figure out, not just go, it's that path, that path, that path, and like the, the orthodox way of doing things. They're going like, I am going to figure out the problem. I'm going to understand the problem. And then I'm going to think about what is the best way to try and solve that problem. So there's a quote from Einstein, which I absolutely love, which explains a lot about what I think what's going on. Einstein kind of like said, if you give me an hour to, you know, if, if you give me an hour, give me a, a problem and an hour to think about, about it, I'd probably spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. And the problem is we tend to do the opposite. Is we end up speaking about 55 minutes about the solution and five minutes about the problem. And because that's kind of the way that we've been programmed to do it, that's the kind of the way we could, because thinking and understanding looks a lot like not doing very much, yeah. right? And actually, kind of going and understanding of things, you know, sometimes can feel like it's going to be unproductive. Oh, you're just going researching and doing other things. There's no, it's not demonstrable in, in, in the same as kind of trying to solve things, trying to fix things, trying to build things. But the problem I, is, I, what we, we well, the problem is, what we do, when we do that is we we build things without truly understanding what's going on. I found myself guilty of that, meaning. You hear all the trends, the best practices, the recommendations, right? And, and it's, it's hard to block that noise out. And you think, yeah, I'm going to put the chatbot up. Like, I love the chatbot example you gave. The chatbot, yeah, we're going to put it up. Everyone's doing it, right? We need to have a chatbot. Well, yeah, yeah, you just, you did the opposite of what Einstein did. You focused on putting up a solution, but you didn't think about really what the problem was. Mm -hmm. What's the root cause of the things of why you need to have a chatbot? And if you really even need it. Yeah. Lots of us are just doing, oh, the chatbot. It's there. It's easy. Exactly. Right? Because people do, do the chatbot because they're like going, oh, we need to do that because we need to deflect. And, and you look at it and go, well, or people who want self-service or people don't want to call, whatever. It's like, well, maybe people don't want to call because your phone service is rubbish and it's under-resourced and you have to make people kind of wait for, for too long. And all you're doing is your chatbot is just like a sticking plaster over this big sore that is rubbish service. <laughs> look at it going like, hmm. kind of like you got sticking broken arm over there. Over, I love you this. Sticking plaster over a sore that is a rubbish surface. God, that is that is poetry slam right there. See, let me see if I can repeat that again. Plaster, sticking plaster over a sore because your service is just rubbish. Did I get it? Yeah, your phone service is just rubbish. It's just like, it. I mean, look, it's like, now, it might be, I'm not saying that chatbots aren't great and aren't useful in the right kind of like way, but only in the right way when it makes sense for the sort of service and the experience that you want to offer. But to jump to that and think about it, think it be that it's going to be a panacea for all ills is completely, I don't know, crazy? Yeah. So I've, I've looked at it this way, um, and then the chatbot again is a good example of this, is I've always started, started with the premise that there is no CX easy button. 
I mean, you can't just press a button and have the problem go away. It takes mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just take money. No. It, 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 this big deal is made about, oh, customers would pay more money for better service. I think that that's bollocks. Right. Sorry to, I, I think it's just crap. By the way, just because you have more money doesn't mean you're going to fix the problem. Money just means you have a little more money. It means you can buy more stuff, buy more stuff and make confuse or muddle or make the problem even worse, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, just because you can get the latest technology doesn't mean you're going to fix the problem. This, this is where the art comes in. This is, you can't fix it. Where I'm going with this is the following. Um, we do not know how to fix, or many of us don't know how to fix our CX problems. We don't know how to turn our service from being rubbish into something that's not as bad. And so the term, let's figure out how to suck less, mm -hmm. comes into play. And many of our organizations, I think, are trying to figure out just, let's, let's suck less. By the way, I don't think that's a bad thing if you don't know how to be good at it. It's so the default, me... sadly, not to be good. Let's, so let's figure out how to suck less. And then I'll, I'll have one more thing to add, and then I'll, and I'll, I'll stop, which is maybe that's why we should be adding chatbots because our phone service truly is rubbish. It's just less rubbish having the chatbot. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. So here's the thing, I all, can I, and I completely get where you're trying, where you're going with this. So this kind of like poster, ooh, I can't get it right. Anyway, that one there. The green one the or the green, black one? The green one, which okay, is, and it says like white. A, it's a heart that says heart, and then underneath in, in graffiti, it says basics. So you love the basics. And I think that um, the idea of being brilliant at the basics and understanding what the basics are for your customers is a fundamental kind of like stone, foundational stone on any great service or ex experience. Now, those basics will be relative depending on kind of who you are, kind of what market, what size of business, all that type of stuff. But here's the thing that I think that's a really important that people forget is that getting the basics right, getting the foundational stuff right, like making it easy to contact kind of, uh, yourselves, kind of make, making your service responsive and so on and so forth, there's real psychological value in a customer's mind that's kind of the embedded in that. Because as human beings, right in the back of our, you know, our, of our, our brain, in that kind of like amygdala, hippocampus sort of area, we are hardwired not to like disappointment, risk, failure, uncertainty, right? Here's the interesting thing. Psychological studies have shown that we value the avoidance of those things between five and 17 times more, something like that, than any surprise or delight. It's a survival instinct thing. So if you make something hard for me, make it difficult for me to, kind of like to, 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 to get my problem kind of resolved, then I'm likely to run away. Right, I'm likely to talk kind of bad about you, but if you make me feel safe, make me feel like you're going to catch me if something kind of goes wrong, I am going to think you're a superhero. And that's why basics, whilst they're not sexy, it takes hard work and discipline and commitment and time and energy and all this sort of like stuff, they are super cool. But it's the sort of thing that doesn't necessarily get a lot of people's attention because this is the hard stuff. This is not the kind of the magpie shiny objects kind of like type stuff. There can be some fancy technology in this and you can be very smart about some of that, some of that sort of like stuff. But I wish people would just focus on being brilliant at the basics because 
this is the the secret that hides in plain sight. Most of the companies that lead on all these experience kind of metrics are brilliant at these things. So let's talk about them. The basics, let me think, if I were going to tap into your mind, let's see, employee experience, empathy, active listening, good training, mm -hmm. are those the basics? Yeah, absolutely. Or even, even in a case of like, you know, I read one report, it recently came out, and there was a quote from a, from a, um, a contact center agent that, that talked, and I'm not kidding you here, that actually talked about having to use 15 different applications to be able to connect service to different clients. I mean, 15 different applications, they're all in different sort of places. And they're not integrated into one unified kind of like desktop or dashboard. You're like going, oh my word, how hard are you making it for your people to do a good job? Why don't you just get out of the way of your people? Yeah. Because Those all that stuff kind of like all, it all feeds through into first call resolution, average handle time, satisfaction, all that sort of stuff, and productivity and all these different sort of things because you're making it less hard for the, the, the superhero that you've got on the front line to do a great job. Love it. I'm going to ask you a different question before we go into our final third of things that we'd like to ask our guests. Um, what's the CX crystal ball tell you? What's in store for us in the future in CX? Um, well, the big thing I think is that, that's coming about kind of like right now, I think, is, um, well, there's, I think there's one thing that we need to kind of, we need to pay attention to, and I'm not sure kind of like what it means, but we need to kind of pay attention to it, is there's all these stats, whether it's in the US or the UK and other places, that people talk about this is a great resignation. Now, I don't know if that's just pent-up demand that's that's been compressed over the last 18 kind of months, and it's just so exploding now as people are starting to think about the world has changed. Do I want to go back to the way it was? I'm looking for something else. There's a, a lack of supply in many kind of sectors, which is causing some you know wage rises. And people think about different kind of different things. So think about changing your kind of like job. And so that has implications for people to be able to man well, and staff their business and serve their customers and all these different sort of things. So there's a talent issue that we need to pay attention to. And we need to think about it from a talent attraction perspective, but also a retention perspective, and then get into that nitty gritty about making things easier. But the other thing I think, which is particularly in your yard, Neil, is that, and it's something I've been thinking about, there's, a, there's an expression in an idiom in the English language, which talks about taking to take someone or something for granted. And I actually think many people take customer support, customer service, contact centers, the work that they do, it, they take it for granted. And that's not because they, 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 um, that they don't, um, they don't appreciate the work. They just don't understand it. They don't understand what goes into it. And I think it's a, the thing I'd like to see come, uh, come to fruition in the, in the future. I'd like to see contact center leaders, customer service leaders, take it upon themselves to advocate more for the work that they do or to tell the story of the work that they do more internally so people can really understand. Because I know I've worked with a client who started to do that. And the, the amount of feedback they get back from the other parts of the organization, they're like, wow, I didn't know. Oh, wow, crumbs, that's amazing. 
like in terms of the volume of emails and calls and things that they're working on, comments, kind of all this kind of like stuff. Because when people understand what you do, you give them a greater ability to care about what you do. And then when that starts to happen, then other brilliant things start to happen. New projects get funding, respect gets given, visibility goes up. Because people know, implicitly, I think people know that the work that the service personnel do is important. They just don't understand it from a nitty gritty because they don't see it. They don't really experience it. They might experience yeah. it in their personal life, but in their business life, it becomes disconnected. Yeah. So I like to see a greater level of kind of advocacy to kind of fight the corner and tell the story, regardless of how difficult that is. Tell the story, shout kind of from the from the corner. I don't know, kind of like kind of just get in trouble, because the work that gets done in those departments and in those teams is utterly utterly crucial, and it needs to be heard and needs to be understood better. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. This this was good. It, by the way, it was it was. Um... It was an open-ended question. There was obviously no right answers. It was not what I had expected. I thought, you know, it would be easier to go down this path of automation, tech stack, you know, the stuff that's all out there. I, I really appreciate that you talked about the work of the front line and the importance of that. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Good stuff. Let's, um, let's start to wind down here. As you know, we ask our guests to riff off of three uh, specific questions that we ask. Yeah. The first one is, and I, and I can't wait for yours here, um, take an axe to a CXO myth. There's so many of them out there. I'm sure you'd have a lot of fun with this one. What is one CXO myth that you would love to just bust up? So um, the one I wrote to you, or the one I was thinking about, rather, is this idea. And there's a poster up here. I don't know if you can see it. I'm just going to pull my camera up a little bit there. It's the one on the yellow on the top, but I'll tell you what it says. It basically says... Customer experience is more than effing metrics. And I use that because sometimes I find myself in this sort of space where you start talking about service and experience. And the first thing out of some people's mouths is they talk about CSAT or NPS or kind of this or that, or the other. And it's a bit like, really? Is that all it is? It's only a number to you? You know, I can tell you stories about companies that just don't, work to numbers and they produce fantastic outcomes because they understand what they're doing, why they're doing it and how they go about doing it. And if you're always kind of driving to them, say a bit like driving a car, do you drive your car looking at the speedometer and the petrol gauge? No, you drive your car looking down the road and figure out what's going to go, going on, where the traffic is and is there any road hazards and if there's a corner coming up, so you navigate based on the terrain around you. And your metrics are there to help you understand where you are relative to your terrain and what stops you need to make or how, what condition your vehicle is in and all these sort of things. It's not meant to help you drive your car. It's, helped you in, to, it's, help, it's to help you inform you about driving your car or the condition of your car. And so that's what I mean by that is actually think about the outcomes, think about the people, think about the customers, think about things you want to do. And your, me your metrics are the things that will help you understand how you're doing along that way. But if it's the first thing that comes out of your mouth, when you talk about service and experience, you've got a problem. We all need to listen to this one, by the way. We're too metric focused. We're too focused on spreadsheets, 
we've had a guest come on recently and talk about death by spreadsheet. Yeah. It's important. You can't get yeah. rid of it. You need the spreadsheets, but, 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 but that's not the be all and end all of, of, of CX. Yeah. I mean, they're important, but I, and because I, they're absolutely important because it's the way that we kind of judge kind of things and we understand kind of how we're, you know, if we're making improvements and things. And they support business cases and all that sort of stuff. It's important within organizations, particularly for that, you know, you know, organizations have to have to be financially viable. Absolutely get that. But it shouldn't be our shouldn't be our necessarily default position. Correct. Share with us two CX quotes that mean something to you. So the first one, it comes from a, a CX player. Um, and it's from that, I think it's the CTO of HubSpot. He's called Dharmesh Shah. And he said it's a, a fantastically, he's got a fantastic quote. Where he says, we want to make it emotionally difficult for our customers to leave, but procedurally easy. I love that quote because it's absolutely about the relationship that you have with your customers and the value that you're delivering to them. But it also acknowledges a practice that pervades many organizations. When somebody wants to cancel or to move on, we make it difficult for them because they think if we put blockers, procedural blockers up, then they won't leave. But actually you end up, we're human beings, right? We'll dig our heels and we go like, get lost, I'm leaving. You're making it hard, you make it worse. You'll never recover that customer. But Dharmesh's quote, where we all make it emotionally difficult for us customers to leave, but procedurally easy, I think gets the, the balance absolutely right because it focuses on the right things. Because the procedures will change, but the emotion and the relationship is the thing that will last. It's great. It's a great quote. By the way, I'm a HubSpot user and HubSpot, HubSpot subscriber. And I'm happy. I would love to, the day if I ever become unhappy, I want to know if it will be procedurally easy to do so. Emotionally, I'm not leaving. Yeah. Practically, I'm not leaving. There you Procedurally, go. I have no idea. But anyway, I, I like it. It's a great quote. You have a second one that I, is, is really nice, too. Would you mind sharing that one with us? Yeah, and, and I really like this one because it's, it's from Muhammad Ali. And it's actually on his gravestone, funny enough. I watched a, a, a documentary about him and Malcolm X the other day on, on Netflix and about their relationship, which was just really interesting. And on his gravestone, he says, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. And I just love that idea, the idea of being in service to, to, to each other. Because one of the things I've found over the course of the last kind of couple of years is when people kind of ask me kind of what is it that I do rather than just kind of talk random stuff and trying to ad advocate and agitate for, for better outcomes is I found myself of describing what I do as being I'm in service to service. And that, uh, that's, that, that, that's my kind of role. So I completely understand what Muhammad Ali was, was talking about. I think he's captured it way better uh, than I have in terms of it's, it's a, a more of a holistic sort of view. But I just think I love the quote because it's just it's the, 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 the sort of life it's pointing us to, I think, is a really important thing. Agreed. Agreed. This is not just a customer service quote. This is more of a humanity quote as well, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Who are your CX heroes? This is an interesting one. I think uh, you have been a CX hero for guests of ours, and I can see why many practitioners, oh, really? uh, oh, leaders, I'm gonna would say, "Well, man. Adrian is a is is our CX hero." But I'm curious who the CX hero of the CX heroes are. Who are yours? Oh, because when you asked me that, I was like, "Oh, it's crumbs." I wanted to kind of I I, I thought about it and. 
and they change all the time and the new people kind of emerge. I want to give a big shout out to um so two people on kind of what they're doing. One is a guy called Gavin Neat, and he's um a fellow Scott, he's based in Edinburgh. He started this thing called the Welcome app. Um, and what it does, really interesting, is it, it focuses on um, disability, or people with disabilities. And it becomes, you've got an app on your phone, but they're also going to sell it to um, businesses and, say, shopping centers or venues and things. So because what happens is many people with disabilities, whether they're physical or, 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 or not, um, don't go to businesses because of the service they won't get, as it were. And so what this app does is allows somebody to go into the app, build a profile, and then book an appointment with either a business or the venue that they're going to that informs the, the, the venue about their their disability, gives them some information about what it is, but also kind of uh, gives them some instructions, some guidance about how best to kind of treat you and meet you and everything else. So it's like a real-time training thing. It's a beautiful thing because here's the thing. Frighteningly, the number of people that can be, that officially have a disability, as it were, is something between 15 and 20% of the world's population. It's a huge number. It's been called some of the biggest minority in the whole world. And we don't do enough. We talk about inclusive experience. We do not do enough to make our experience inclusive. And I think what Gavin and the folks at kind of the welcome um, kind of business is doing is, is, is fabulous. So that's kind of what, that's kind of one thing. That's a bit of a, you know, um, an on the edge thing. And the I other one to I Gavin in, in the welcome app. What, what a great, by the way, it's welcome for those that have not heard of it. I hadn't heard of it before. It's welcome. W E L C O capital M E. Yes. Welcome. Like, well, welcome me, but welcome. Yeah. I really like that. Um, and the second one I would say is I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Vasco Pedro and his team across at Unbabel, who are originally out of Portugal, um, but they're all over right now. And they're doing this, um, they're pioneering this thing called LangOps. Let me tell you roughly about what it is. It's, it's basically real-time um, AI-enabled sort of translation layer that can go around a service connect center but it's curated and QA'd by expert translators who pick up all these nuances and sort of do this kind of real-time training of the kind of the ml kind of models so imagine this imagine you've got a customer in chinese in china it's speaking kind of cantonese and they're like da, 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 i'm going to send you a, a message this is only text-based right now but i'm going to send you a message and i'm going to write it in chinese and it goes and it hits your, say, service team that's in Germany. Now, your service team in Germany can only, can only speak in the German. They're dealing with German things. But they, what it does is it takes the, the inquiry, comes in, goes through the engine, translates it into German. The German kind of like agent sees it, goes, oh, okay, I get to understand it, pulls all these kind of things together, writes a reply, goes back into the engine, translates it back into Cantonese or Mandarin or whatever, spits it back out to the, the, um, to, um, to the customer nobody's the wiser now the german agent understands that it's coming in from china and you can you can see it but this is kind of what it's done so it basically takes the lid off this idea that language can become a limiting factor to in terms of the customers that you can serve and 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 and, and 
you know, and the language you can serve them in. Because interestingly, when I spoke to Vasco on the podcast, he was talking about, you know what? It's interesting. It's like language is, is almost like a form of discrimination in customer service, right? He told me a story. He said, like, when he was in Portugal, if you want to speak to Brit British Airways, you know, this is a statement of fact. If you want to speak to them in English, you can speak to them 24 or their 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 helpline or their contact thing is it's twenty four hours a day seven days a week. If you want to do it in Portuguese, it's nine to five Monday to Friday. Yeah. And so what they're doing, they're they're trying to sort of take those limits away. And I just think what they're doing is just fabulous um, from um, taking the that some of the limits off. And so I think sure. those those two things are. Um, or, I think that those, those are two of my heroes. And my third one, I would just say, I'd say um, back at yourselves, Paul and Neil, for doing the Fireside Chats and your commitment to spreading the word, speaking to people, educating kind of people, all that sort of stuff. I just want to say thank you for being in service to service. Thank you. Oh, that's powerful. That was unexpected for, for, for me. Thank you. That's, that's an honor that you... You say that, you know, it's it, service for service. Exactly. There's a reason Paul and I were talking about this the other day. I've talked about this with a few other, you know, you do lots of CX podcasts. There's lots of us out there that are doing it. And some, at some point you have to ask, why do we keep doing this? Why, what are we doing this? What, and you do it because there's value. You, somehow we are contributing value to some people miraculously. It's amazing. But we do it and that keeps me going. We don't, we're, we're not earning much at all from this. Actually, we don't earn anything from this financially. What we earn from this is uh, an emotional connection to our guests. We learn a lot about what's going on in our community and that's the reason why we do it. Um, that can is I, the rent we something? pay. Can I add something to that? Because I've been podcast. So I've run my own podcast. It's had various names now called the Punk CX Podcast. And that's not a plug. I'm just kind of telling you for that. But I've been podcasting since January 2011. And so I guess I would say I've been podcasting before it was cool, and now it's cool, and I'll probably still be podcasting when it's no longer cool. And and I've always thought about it um, in sort of like four intersecting sets. And the first one is that it's a, a learning learning and development set. So I'll get to learn a whole bunch of stuff from different sort of people, be able to shine a spotlight on them. And I, I firmly believe through podcasting, podcasting has made me smarter because I've just learned stuff. Then it's like an R&D thing because I get to explore edges and connections. So there's an L&D and R&D. Then there's a networking thing because you get to meet some fabulous people. And then finally, there's, there's a fourth one, which is like an indirect marketing branding bit. Where people go like, oh, you know those people. Do you know this, those people? You're connected to those people. And that's just the way it comes out. But if you start with those kind of like three, the fourth one takes care of itself. Yeah. Well, you just described it perfectly. The L&D, the learning and development is, is wonderful. By the way, you know, we spend, we spend time prior to hitting the record button on these reading and trying to find out and understand what are the latest things that people have written? What are they talking about? That forces me to prepare and learn and, and, and study up. It's a great exercise. It at times 
if you know, I said, oh man, I would rather be taking a nap right now, but no, I got to prepare. I got to read. Man, what a benefit that is that on a weekly and sometimes twice a week basis, we've got to read and get current and make sure we're understanding it was a great exercise. Wonderful. Well, I'm fortunate to do it. Yeah. I look at it that way. I get to do it. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, I do, I, as I say, I'll repeat myself. It's like, I do believe the act of podcasting has made me smarter. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not actually slightly heretical, but I don't pay attention to my audience figures that much, I, you know. Um, so I'm not doing it for the. I am doing it for the audience, but I'm not doing it for the audience. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Sure. And I, can I share a final quote with you? Let me just pull, let me just pull it up so then I can remember it properly. And it is a quote from. Uh, bah, bah, bah. It's from um, Steve McQueen, the director. And he said, ah, here we go. He said, um, he was a part of an interview. He said, but to be absolutely honest, I think of the audience, but at the same time, I don't really give a shit because it's me and it's who I am and I can't be anyone else. I'm not here to please. I'm here to do the best I can. We have to wrap up with that. You just can't, there's nothing else to add to that. That speaks for itself. <laughs> that is a CX poetry slam right there. <laughs> that was it. What a way to what a way to end it. Adrian, you're a brilliant guest. Thank you for joining us. Um, it was a pleasure to host you, to learn from you, uh, to have some laughs together with you, to hear you. Um, for those, by the way, that are not following your stuff, follow Adrian on LinkedIn. Is there any other thing that you'd like them to do to read, to to check you out and to consume you? Uh, crumbs is, uh, Google me kind of Adrian Swinsco or go to adrianswinsco.com or just Google punk CX or something. Uh, watch this space because we've got a follow-up book coming up towards the end of the year, which is going to be quite exciting. It's going to have some collaborative kind of pieces in it. So it's going to try and stand on the shoulders of punk CX and, and, and do that. And it's also going to be for charity because of its collaborative nature. So that's kind of a cool thing we've got in the pipeline. Wonderful. Promise us, please, uh, I'm putting you on the spot here, you can't say no, uh, that when you are publishing the book, when it is published, or just before, just after, that you'll return and, and, and share uh, what's in the book with the audience. There Absolutely. We, go. we got a thumbs up. We got a thumbs up. Wonderful. Uh, Fireside Chats about the Fire Season 2, Episode 31, CX Poetry Slam with Adrian Swinsco. Audience, we hope you enjoyed it, because I really did. This was just great. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next week. Uh, thank you for joining us. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.